obviously moving on um i think like we we did say uh, some of the rape cases uh or some of gbv altogether i remember i was listening to to an interview recently by minister pekitele uh the police minister or whatever where he was giving some of the stats to say that in the month of june i think he was going to june he said that 29 women were killed right and when you try to put it in context that's almost one woman a day who's being killed and mm. you know as i was just thinking about it um as you were sharing there's there's some very there's some very problematic stance that he took you know um i, I yeah. felt when addressing this issue but i think uh, the bigger problem that i realized and not wanting to pinpoint it on him as an individual is that i think our justice system altogether has failed or has failed women you know um completely but outside just the justice system i think i also took it even further to say that i think perhaps time and time again what we also have is a lot of time that friends family and um leadership altogether has failed women so how do you think that has um played a role or how do you think that has aided gbv actually in the country i think that 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 whole narrative has really made gender-based violence made people not understand the severity and the cry that gender-based violence is supposed to have you know mm-hmm. um, it's it's really just allowed it to be a conversation that happens when a person like Uyunene is um, killed so brutally and we speak about it for two weeks and then it's gone. Mm-hmm. That's literally what it's, do- it's done. And it's, it's just made it lose its, its, its meaning. And for me, it's so absurd as to how a, a justice system that is supposed to be protect- protecting its people can allow such such things to lose their meaning and not take action against you know it's very it's very shocking to me but more than anything i really do feel like these systems do um do make they kind of make it seem as though women are are crazy for even thinking this is an issue Mm. like for this term to even be a thing absurd crazy you know and that's very very problematic because if we th- if we can give coronavirus so much attention, so respect it so much, change, regulate, you know, do so much for coronavirus, women are going to die at the hands of men before we die because of this virus. And that's what people are, are not taking. That's what people of power that are supposed to be protecting us are not taking into consideration. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think you made a very valid point to say that I think a lot of the time, and that's why I try to I try to, to to make the point to say that even when you consider violence, let's not consider just the physical violence, because I think what has happened, especially in a South African context, is that when we think of GBV, we're thinking of the most extreme cases. Like you said, we are thinking of the Rinena case. Most recently, you're thinking of the the likes of Tsakhafatsopule, and GBV is not just the violent killing. You know what I mean? Of course, the violent brutal killings mm. are perhaps maybe. The most absurd of them all, but that's not what GBV yeah. is. Just in a nutshell, you know what I mean. GBV is even those minor things yeah. where women are being beaten and they still remain alive, where women are trying to report um, abuse emotionally, um, mental abuse. You know what I mean? Because that in itself is a form of violence that continues to be perpetuated against women. Mm. So it's something that we have to understand. It's something that 
that we really have to educate ourselves with to say that let's move away from the notion that we only are outraged about the brutal killings of women. You know what I mean? Because in a normal society, it should not even get to that point where a woman is raped, killed, and burned, and then buried in some land. You know what I mean? That that should shock us to the point where it's just like we should not even be able to comprehend that in a frame. Whereas right. now what has happened yeah. is that when we've put when we consider GBV, it's like we are thinking of the most extreme cases. So if you have a case of a woman who was raped, it's like, oh, that's not too bad because a woman can be raped, killed, and burned. Whereas a woman being raped, mm. killed, and burned, or even raped alone, should just be in itself a very like in- vile act that should just shock us to the core. Yeah. But I think we've gotten to the point where, yeah. and I'm that we're so immune we're so to immune it. To it. Exactly. I've always said this to people that. I'm, I'm afraid of living in a society that becomes desensitized to important issues. You know what I mean? Because mm. once we become desensitized to things, there'll be no active change. Being, there'll be no active change that will be yeah. made towards things because the only reason we remain outraged to certain things is because when something shocks your system, you have, an, you have a response. But if we get to a point where it becomes a norm that women are raped, you know, you know what I mean? We'll become desensitized to it that no one will even take any sort of care towards issues of such a nature. So I think that's something mm. that definitely we, we, I think we should become alarmed to that to say that let's not just think of GBV, as I said, as the most extreme violent cases. See it even in catcalling. See, understand that that in itself is a form of violence that you're perpetuating because you're making you feel unsafe. You are violating, which is what violence is, mm. you know? And I think also even if we can just address maybe the, the, the issue of friends and family also to say that I think we should move away from the stigmas that come with gender-based violence. That's, that's something I think that uh, has affected a lot of women, has affected a lot of African women even to be specific, where there's a stigma that comes, there's that culture, there's the word that we use, where it's like a woman is told to stay in a situation that is toxic towards her because she'll want to go back and there's the idea that, oh, but you were not even beaten, you know what I mean? Or we lived through mm. this ourselves. Like, we should really, really move away from that. And I think maybe if I could open that up to you also. Yeah, no, um, this whole um, topic of Ubegezela is one that's very much, um, I think, prominent in my culture because mm-hmm. so it really um our parents our grandparents are that generation of and uh, so you can't you can't fail your marriage cannot mm-hmm. fail that's the, they they're of that generation and Ubegezela is definitely something that is so is extremely problematic and could and I think in most instances is could be the root and of of gender based mm-hmm. violence because it 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 tells women that even if you are being mistreated mm-hmm. to the highest level because your parents told you if you are married, there is no way out. You cannot embarrass our family. You have chosen this marriage. You will fall through. And and they and they tell you things like their um, marriages are going to have ups and downs. There's ups and downs, and then there's just abuse that you cannot take in. You cannot forgive, mm-hmm. you know. And my culture kind of makes it seem as though abuse kind of falls in 
under those ups and downs, mm. you know. So, you know, ladies are told that, listen, you just need to suck it up because you're not going to embarrass us. Mm. These people paid for you, so you're going to stay mm. there. Very problematic, extremely problematic. And which then comes into something that I actually spoke about in another podcast, um, self-love. We really need to start speaking out about that mm. because I think it plays an integral part in us as women staying in relationships where we are mistreated. Mm-hmm. And I, I, for, I, and I'm speaking from experience. I definitely feel like there are relationships that women stay in knowing that they're being mistreated solely because they do not love themselves. And, it, and, and, and it's okay not to love yourself, but it's not okay to be okay with not loving mm-hmm. yourself. You need to want to love mm-hmm. yourself and work on that. Definitely. Yeah, I think... Um... Even the, the the culture that you said to say that uh, the culture where women are taught that they ought to stay in a marriage, you know, um, you'd be surprised. Like it's everywhere. I know in my culture, I'm Shwana, uh, we have the exact same thing that happens where I've had experiences, obviously through through aunts and through family members, where you know sometimes you you're allowed to maybe sit in a conversation. Sometimes you you're in the midst of a conversation where people are talking about issues of this nature. And you hear the way they just speak about it, and you're so surprised. Like you, you, like I, I remember the one time I was very shell shocked, where there was a family member who was going through something of this nature, and you're hearing the the kind of advice and solutions they're giving to say, nah, just stay, or he'll he'll eventually get it, or things of that nature. It's just like we're so upset to listen to, and I think we also ought to move away from um the point. Another thing that we have to definitely move away from is where we are quantifying women with the idea of how long she's staying in the marriage. We're quantifying women by reproduction to say that she's a woman because she's had kids from, you know what I mean? Because a lot of the time also, that's another thing that continues to perpetuate this misogyny where we are tying women to specific elements. And once she doesn't have that, we kind of lose the sense of womanhood that she has. And you then feel like you can do anything to her, on her, if that makes sense. So, you see it a lot, mm. especially um, to some weddings we've gone to. A lot of the time when you go to a wedding, you know, you're at the reception and they're giving speeches. The speeches are usually directed towards the woman to say that you must love your husband, you must do this for your husband, you must do that for yeah. your husband. But you never get to the point where there's a discussion that's made about the man loving his wife, you know what I mean? Loving his wife correctly. Mm. Because when you get in that sort of um, relationship with somebody or when you get in that um I, I like to refer to it as an agreement, you know what I mean? Because remember, as, as you mm. are there, maybe at the altar, uh, as you're there where maybe you guys, where two families are meeting and they're discussing, there's always an agreement that's made, you know what I mean? Even even as you are, as the lower is being paid, there, there's an agreement between the one party and the other party that we are giving you our daughter and you guys ought to respect her just as she will respect him, you know what I mean? It was never made to say that it's a one-sided thing or it's a one-sided affair. And I think, uh, that's something that people have to understand, to say that once you feel like your partner has has shown any sign of disrespect and it has gone against your guys' contract, which was, if your contract was, if in your vows you said, I, I swear to love and respect you at all times, once you've disrespected me, what you've done is you've gone against our agreement. And I think also, mm. once you begin to understand that context or that concept to say that any sort of encounter you get into with anyone, you know what I mean? Any sort of uh, thing, especially um, maybe this, we're obviously addressing this for women who would 
face these things maybe with people they know is to say that don't allow them to disrespect one boundary of yours because once you give somebody that edge i think it goes on and it overflows too many on other it, things yeah. you know what i mean i remember there's that uh there's that speech i don't know that video of that lady who was speaking uh i think it was at the Tsofatopule, when the case came out where she was like it starts with the simple i think it starts with like vulgar words you know, from vulgar words, it goes to, to simple nudges and pushes. From pushes, it goes to, it's a slap the one day, it's punches. a punch another day. Uh, yeah. It's coercion another day. Before you know it, uh, you're being carried out in a body bag. So I think fundamentally, yeah. we have to address it from the grassroots problem and the beginning problem. So as soon as you feel like the agreement has been broken and the person breached, has, yeah. yeah, the agreement has been breached and the person has done what they never said they would do. So if they have their promise was to love at all times and they have acted out of love. You know, there's actions that you can see somebody's purely not acting out of love. Then, you know, I think it has to be addressed right there and then because what we're then doing is it will, it'll spill over to other things. And like I said, I think we want to get to a point where we are sensitive. We remain sensitized as a society where it should not spill over to certain things that are, um, I think are problematic. Then also, I think uh, with friends in the context of friends, to say that I think friends should really start uh, providing uh, the necessary facilities also, you know, like um, friendships should also, should not be judgmental, you know. So a lot yeah. of the time it's, I think if anything, when we say we're friends, it kind of becomes, it falls onto me, not necessarily as my responsibility, but out of love to say that. I should always, you should, we should always open platforms to, to, our, to our women friends, our female friends, so that they're actually able to speak to us, both as men and other women also. Because a lot of the time, mm. we, we could be the last hope they have going, you know what I mean? Because for a lot of people, yeah. they can't go to families because, as we said, families, especially because we are still obviously very close to that generation that was Begazelari. <laughs> a lot of families yeah. aren't able to even like hear you, hear you out, you know what I mean? We, we've established that you can't go to the police a lot of the time because they themselves will probably commit another act of violence against you. So sometimes the, the last line of support that uh, somebody may have is friends or friendships. So I think we should definitely, we should start listening and start opening our friendship circles up to, to discussions of this nature. Mm, 100%. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think also like for myself opening up these conversations to friendships um has definitely evolved friendships you know mm. i've had really really great um guy friends who i've had conversations um with about you know topics such as gender-based violence mm-hmm. and um to it, it it's so sad that i was actually so happy to see that our train of thought was the same and that's when we then understand how messed up and backward our our, our our society is because I was basically excited that my friend feels as though I should be safe in my country mm. you know it's just it, 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 it then becomes one of those things but um, but then again I also feel like these opening up these conversations then also allows you to realize these the, how your other friends who may not be thinking the same way as you are thinking mm. So that they can then again challenge you to then grow you as a person. But just going on to friendships and, you know, being able to, uh, your female friends being able to open up to you. I, I think 
that's it's 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 great but i also think we need to as a as a youth understand the 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 importance of the title friend i feel like Mm. the word friend is very much misused in our generation um and we need to get to a point where we understand that if someone calls you an acquaintance it's really there's nothing wrong with that Mm. because if someone calls you a friend you genuinely have responsibilities to check up on that person to know how they're doing you know whereas an acquaintance is just someone that i would know you know and we just don't chat that much so it's very important that we do also establish that definition and understanding the intense responsibilities that friends do have as well as then um offering and giving such um platforms to have conversations um on you know we have beautiful devices and gadgets to have these conversations um to challenge each other and you know educate each other yeah i I definitely what you're saying um maybe just to i think we did we did touch on a few like solutions and ideas that we we did bring up as we're speaking but i think maybe just to like mesh them together in like a little bit of like in unison uh, what what do you think are like possible solutions that we really, like would really could come up with to implement in our country, uh, within our friendship circles, within our dynamics, just to like maybe curb GBV altogether? First of all, I really think we need to normalize conversations. I really do not think that gender based violence should be a controversial topic. Mm-hmm. It is, it is, it is, it literally is someone's reality. And I feel as though it shouldn't be controversial. These conversations should be had in schooling um, environments. So, you know, in, 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 in like, LO should really evolve and start having conversations that really matter. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really great to learn how to do my CV, but I must then now know how to, you know, go about life when I get to the big wide world and such issues are you know, shoved in my face. Mm. So definitely the schooling system and the way that we are molding our 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 future leaders needs to completely change and mold them in a way that is a clear and a true and transparent representation of the South Africa we are in. Mm. So that's definitely an important solution that really needs to happen that that so that's normalizing conversation as well as changing our education um systems, education <clears throat> systems. yeah definitely yeah i i think also uh, another point uh, I, I saw a lot of people raise as we're speaking is that i think maybe this is this would be obviously uh, more of a solution that would really need to be implemented higher up in the ranks but i think to have like specific units that uh cater for for gbv cases of gbv where you have yes. a team of uh, law enforcers, a team of um, psychologists and so on and so, so forth, where people are actually able to deal with um, these type of cases. Have, even in hospitals, have like specific units for rape victims and rape survivors. Because a lot of the time, mm. um, people aren't afraid to even go like get rape test kits because the people that are facilitating them are very hostile towards them because there's there's the yeah. idea of being questioned and once you've gone mm. through a trauma like that what were you wearing exactly you don't want to be questioned so i think even in hospitals you know what i mean let's have like specific trauma units that deal with these type of things because it should be something that's normal because at the rate it's happening we i think it's important that we have something of this nature because i think like you said even when we think of the curriculum in schools 
the curriculum that is taught in South Africa should be specific to South Africa. And if femicide and GBV is a problem in South Africa, it should be included in the curriculum, just as it should be within the healthcare system, just as it should be within law enforcement. Then um, the second idea was just to, uh, I always make this this, uh, this idea to say that I think also higher up within our ranks, uh, we should start having more women in leadership positions. Um, yeah. Within maybe not even higher up within the ranks, let's not even say from a parliamentary level, but even within schools, within um, tertiary education, we should start having more women within leadership positions because an issue that I see a lot of the time is that as men, we, as much as we empathize, you know what I mean, as much as we, we can educate ourselves day in and day out, there's a certain level of understanding that we'll never be able to grasp because we aren't in the position where we feel unsafe, you know what I mean? There's sometimes where mm. I think we we think very little of certain incidents because we aren't the ones who are affected. We've never been in them. Exactly, we've never been in them. Because I always make the argument that I've never had, you know, like when I leave my house or when we leave home, the only fear that I have at at best is being pickpocketed. <laughs> you know, it's never that I might yeah. be trafficked. It's never that I might be raped. And because I never have to go through something of that nature, most of the time I'll never mm. be able to understand what you go through. You know what I mean? For me to actually ever be able to comprehend what you go through is when something physically happens or when something I can maybe quantify happens. Of which... Once we have more women within leadership positions, they are able to understand these things that you guys, um, that women feel and women go through before they even happen. So I think that's something that uh, mm. we should definitely start to look at. And I think, like yeah. you said, the important one for me also is to normalize, normalize, normalize the conversation. Yeah. Get it going, get it flowing uh, in all places, like all over. Because yeah, I think you made really, really great points. Those are like very, very good points. Yeah. So those are, those are just some of like the solutions. Uh, of course, like I think as we as I, I think as, as you've seen also as you had the conversation is that a lot of people have like many different ideas and many different solutions. And also, I think the other thing that mm. definitely has to start taking place is that uh, the leadership, people in leadership, and the older people, the older generation, I think should really start to to lend us an ear and start listening to the things we're saying, because a lot of the time the ideas we're coming with seem very radical to them because perhaps they weren't doing that before. But uh, by them lending mm. us an ear, they are essentially giving the future generation an ear because the systems and uh, things they're leaving behind now, they aren't going to live under because they've already lived exactly. their life. Exactly. And what is then yeah. left is us. So I think we should be allowed a say within our own future, you know, a say within 100%. the systems that we're going to live under. Yeah, I I always say this to people that we definitely need a younger group of people in power because right now we have the older generation planning for a future they're never going to see. Mm. They are planning for a future that we are going to have to now live under and we're going to have to now fix because they will never physically see the future that they are planning towards and just besides not being there in terms of age and then obviously not not being there because obviously they're going to be dead but in terms of just coming up I feel like our generation has such bright minds we have the most amazing ideas and I really feel like having younger people in our in our government would really help solve a lot of issues of which are still 
ongoing mm. for years. Definitely. You know? Definitely. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I think those are just like some uh, off the top uh, solutions. But from my end, that's about it. I don't know if you have anything else you'd like to add, maybe like a closing statement or some sort. No, I don't have anything, but I just want to say thank you so much for um, allowing or presenting me this platform to engage in these conversations. I know you know how much I love having these conversations. So thank you so much for giving me this opportunity and for even taking this leap of faith to um, give yourself such a platform to finally engage in conversation which I know you enjoy doing and you've been doing so well and I'm so proud of you. Yeah, thank you so much for joining me and also just giving me your time. It The 90 minutes flew by. <laughs> so yeah, thank you so much <laughs> really for, 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 for just joining in. Then yeah, to anyone who's listening, I'll be back next week again with another segment. So yeah, thanks Olande and shout out to everyone who's listening.